0: Welcome to another episode of Keeping Up With The G-Men brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Today we're going to go over the proposal by the NFL, some camp battle winners, and talk about some Madden ratings. So I'm here with my co-host Anthony. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Just waiting for training camp to begin.
0: Yeah, less than two weeks away and uh, you said you're coming up for it, right? Yeah, I'm going to make the trip up to New York, visit some family, and go see the Giants. That's awesome. So, we actually have some real news right now. And the NFL proposed a 18-game schedule to the NFLPA. But the trick is that they're only going to be playing 16 games, the players themselves. So, it sounds like there's a lot to unpack here. So, what are your thoughts on
1: it? I think it's a really interesting proposal because it adds a lot more value to backup positions because if if we're going two games in the season where we're not having our starting quarterback play, then that's two games that we need a solid backup to go out there and compete. And if I were a GM or a coach or something and I was running a team, I think really, and I think a lot of teams will just do this anyway, you would just start... your you would bench your starters the first two week of, two weeks of the season and then start them for the rest of the season. That seems like a pretty logical workaround to the rule.
0: I think there will be some different strategies on that because let's say you bench everybody the first two weeks and then one of your players ends up missing five games later on in the season and then ultimately they ended up missing out on seven of them. So... Like, I, I get your point. You know, maybe you want to get all that out of the way. But you almost might need to take advantage of some guys while they're definitely healthy. And, and I, I'm sure teams will try out, you know, both ways. But, man, there's just so much to unpack here. And another thing, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the depth because that's kind of the silver lining of this because all the other parts of it just aren't any good. I mean, do you you want to go to the game where you know Saquon Barkley is a healthy scratch
1: no not at all that's that's a real problem with it because people are going to pay to see these players and then they're just not going to play the superstar players are going to miss two games and it's going to bring the viewership down a little bit too a couple weeks in the season but one really big positive is the fact that it's going to create a lot more jobs in the NFL it's a lot more players who are needed to be backups the backup position becomes a lot more valuable and their pay can get higher and becomes more of a real dream for some people
0: yeah the other trick to that is the owners are obviously extending the season because it'll bring in more money if they fill their stadium one more time but to it kind of counteracts that by bringing in these new players that you need before i mean i what do you think, they'll bring it up from 53 players to like 58?
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see them increasing the size of the roster, and then that could lead us down a, a, a rabbit hole. Maybe eventually they'd get to a, a longer draft, you know. They used to have those really long drafts with 15 rounds. I don't think they'll ever get that far, but they might end up needing to add an extra round or two at the end of the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and that would, that would be fun too, but overall it's a situation where and i hate to get too political but if you go forcing any owner of anything to make less money they're they're gonna find ways to counteract that and this uh 18 game schedule is is definitely that since the players won't be playing all of them and it's it's so it kind of waters down the overall product throughout the season and I think they're just going to be opening up a big can of worms here. Um, Do you you think this might actually get done? I feel like it
1: could because it benefits the players and it benefits the the owners because they'll both see an increase in money. Because obviously if this is what it takes to complete a new CBA, then this is what it takes and the players will get paid more, the backups will be more important and get paid more. So it's a win for the owners, it's a win for the players, but it's a loss for the fans because now we've got to sit through two games a season where our favorite players are just nowhere to be seen, and that's just going to make it difficult.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the whole starting streak thing will just go away. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been interested in that for Eli mm-hmm. being one of the one of the iron men of the league. But I think it actually hurts the teams because there's going to be critical games in November where you're at the point where you have to sit this one guy, and you know, say it is Saquon, or I I mean, I can't imagine Eli is going to be around by the time this deal is done. Hmm. But um, I just I don't know. I I think maybe it could get done, but man. If that's what it's gonna take, I, I think there's gonna be some uh, some real mixed reviews on it.
1: Yeah, but if that's what it takes, they are going to make more money off of it, like you said. So I just it's not that unrealistic. It could definitely happen. But again, then we've gotta we gotta watch two games a year without Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Let's face it, they're not very good. We kind of just watch for Saquon Barkley every week, and now we gotta have two weeks where we don't watch for him. That's that would be pretty disappointing. And they're
0: not going to declare which weeks guys are going to be out in the beginning of the year. It's it's they're going to just adjust on the fly. And there's a lot of minor injuries in this league where I think th- those will start calling for you know a guy sitting because they can get one of their weeks in of not playing. So you know I think some of those more uh, you know lesser injuries are going to start being talked about more.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I didn't even
0: think about that one. There's really just so much, to, you know, we'll find out about this. But, you know, if you're one of those borderline teams fighting for a wild card and you have to bench your backup quarterback one of the last weeks, I mean, that's that. it's just not good for the sport, even though it's a way for both sides to, you know, get what they want here.
1: Yeah, but that's why I think you would just sit your players the first two weeks and get it out of the way. I know you run the risk of someone getting injured, but if they don't, then you have them for 16 straight games like a normal season. I just think that would be the popular strategy, and it it does add a new strategic element to the game, which could be pretty interesting, but again, it's those two games without the starters that the fans are going to hate to watch.
0: And I hate to... Uh you know prioritize fantasy football too heavily but what a mess for that too i mean my god oh yeah definitely but all right so we can move on um it was nice to have a little bit of actual news during this time of speculation so Mm -hmm. let's get into some predicting winners of camp battles because that's going to be very fun in less than a couple of weeks uh let's start with lorenzo carter
1: versus kareem martin Okay, for me, easy Lorenzo Carter. He is just an athlete. He's a freak of nature off the edge. He's fast. He's lanky. I like him. I know he's, he's a bit raw. He's not polished. He doesn't have all the pass rush moves that he needs yet, but I'd like to see him get a more expanded role so that he has more of a chance to develop and can turn into a real edge rusher for the Giants. All right, so let me ask you this. Do you think he's the starter in the base defense? I'm not sure about that because right now he seems to be just a straight pass rusher. I don't know if he's able to contribute too much in run defense, but Pro Football Focus has noted that he's been pretty good in coverage when he's asked to drop back, so he could make a pretty strong push for the base defense. In that case, do you think it would actually be a middle
0: linebacker when we're just talking base defense?
1: I mean that's pretty interesting. I'd like to see how that goes if they try that out because he really is speedy, he's lanky, but I think those are the tools that gives him the chance to succeed off the edge. So that's where I would leave him. I, I really like Lorenzo Carter as a pass rusher.
0: I do too. I as far as the base defense, I think it's gonna be Martin, but you know, they are not on that in that package for the majority of the time. So, you know, overall I agree with you. I think it'll be Carter most of the time. Uh, but yeah, a little side note on Carter there, he was very good in coverage. And I think if he were not to pan out on the edge overall in his career, he could, he could move inside and right now we could actually really use his coverage inside.
1: Yeah, that could be an interesting thing. Kind of like Anthony Barr, when he came out of college, he was an edge defender, but now he's moved to an off-ball linebacker spot. We could see Lorenzo Carter make a similar transition if, if he doesn't, uh, have too much production on the outside
0: yeah when i was going over his film i really thought he was a lot like anthony barr so i'm glad he mentioned that my next uh my next match up here let's go bj goodson versus ty
1: davis uh let's go lorenzo carter over both of them, <laughs> right
0: yeah a little mix and match nah, like we were saying yeah. there um yeah
1: what do you think though i think injuries are a problem um, I, d- I don't think either of them have performed very well when they've seen the field. I-, I think the middle linebacker position is really a mess for the Giants. I'm not too high on Alec Ogletree either. I think B.J. Goodson, he's been around a little longer, so you just kind of got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he'll progress, and I'd give him the spot. But it'll be interesting to see who performs better in training camp.
0: Yeah, you know, I agree. The middle linebacker spot is just, ugly all around right now um if Devin White were to fall to six maybe I would have been okay with that and then trading back up for Jones but you know that's all behind us at this point um Mm, I think Davis is actually going to win it I think they are looking for somebody that's you know quicker to try to you know supplement Ogletree and they might never really give Ogletree many coverage assignments if possible so yeah, I'm definitely going Davis. And, you know, B.J. Goodson, you know, I just I just think him and Ogletree are too similar to really be on the field together if you can help it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. We know that James Betcher likes to have a speedy middle linebacker. He did convert Deion Buchanan to play linebacker. So, Tay Davis could play a pretty similar role. So, next we have Spencer Poley versus
0: John Jalapio.
1: So for me, it's it's jalapio if he stays healthy, but that's the problem, because he had the really bad injury last year, but I don't believe that was the first injury he's suffer, suffered in his career, and I, I don't think Pulley was awful as the starter for the Giants last year, but I feel like There's a lot of room for improvement at that position. And Jalapio was playing really good before he went down for injury, but I'd really like to see him play a full 16-game season and see what he can do.
0: Yeah, um, I think they're actually pretty different players. Uh, John Jalapio, in limited action in 2017, didn't allow a single pressure. Uh, You know, he's very big, uh, but Spencer Polley... Really seems like the better run blocker to me, and that really seemed to—he seemed to be a spark in the middle last year. And you know, based on what I think they're trying to do, I think the better run blocker is gonna end up with the job. So, I think it's gonna be Spencer Pulley.
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think. We need a solid pass protector. I mean, we've heard it over and over throughout the years that the Giants have no pass protection. Eli is on his back the entire game. I, I think Jalapio's ability as a pass protector, as you mentioned, no pressures in 2017. And I, I don't think he let one up in the first two weeks of 2018 either before he suffered the injury. I, I think those are really good stats to look at and say this is the guy that we want in the center of our offensive line. Well, if
0: they did go with him, they really shouldn't have too much inside pressure with Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. Um, you know, those two are probably, you know, basically really good at both. So I guess, you know, I could see the case for either side, but, uh, you know, ultimately I'm just going to side with, uh, you know, what I think their plans are going to be most of the time in offense. Next, uh, Mike Remmers or Chad Wheeler?
1: Um, I've described the right tackle position as they put a Band-Aid on a broken (laughs) bone. I don't really think either of them are too good. But you got to go with Remmers, in my opinion. Chad Wheeler, a lot of people think that he stepped in and he was like this huge improvement. And maybe he was because it was Eric Flowers that was there. And it can't get worse than Eric Flowers. But he still wasn't that good. There was a lot of the times where he whiffed in pass protection. He whiffed in run... Run blocking situations and Mike Remmers is a veteran. He shouldn't have as many just total flat out misplays. He should. I know he got totally beat up in Minnesota this past season when he was playing guard, but maybe the t- the transition back to tackle will really help him and he could play better with the Giants now.
0: Yeah, guard was a new spot for him. Uh, that was that was pretty tough. Um, this might surprise, but I'm going Chad Wheeler um The thing about Chad is he doesn't really have much play strength, but he can mirror real well. It's just once they get both of their hands on him, he's going backwards. You know the the kid really needs to beef up if he's gonna if he's gonna become very good in the NFL. And I think he has the potential just because of how he plays technically. You know he's technically sound, but the guy's just gotta get stronger. Uh, Remmers, I just think he is going to be not quite like Eric Flowers, but I think he's going to get turned around a ton, and I think teams are going to put their best speed rusher over there and, you know, try to get him off Solder and try to expose Remmers, and I, I think that's going to happen no matter which right tackle you have out there, but I just think it's going to be pretty sloppy for Remmers. Uh, when, when he gets matched up with against those speed rushers, he gets turned all the way around, Kind of like what we used to watch with Eric Flowers, um, but yeah, I agree. Either way, you know, right tackle is gonna look pretty ugly. Uh, but we have a better matchup where you know there's quality competition here. Uh, Grant Haley versus Julian Love.
1: Yeah, I love this competition. I'm really excited to see who wins the camp battle because both of these players are really talented. Grant Haley, I think stepped in and did an excellent job as an undrafted free agent last year really we had no expectations for this guy in my opinion I didn't at least and he came in and he was really solid uh, I remember the Eagles game he had a few pass breakups and that really caught my eye and he played great in that game and I, I like him a lot in the slot and I, I can't see him transitioning outside but I could see Julian Love playing all over the place I, I could see him playing in the slot at maybe even at free safety because he is a great tackler and i i gotta give the slot position i think maybe julian love has more potential to be a better player but i feel like you can move him around to different spots so i would think that grant haley needs to stay and keep the slot position for now and then give julian love more time to get acclimated and move him around a bit and see if eventually he takes over at the slot, because he's just gotten that good and progressed that much. But I'd like to see them move him around first. I would enjoy that too, and I agree. I think Love
0: has more potential overall, but I thought Grant Haley actually performed better throughout the spring. And, you know, that's that's understandable with a guy that's already gotten his feet wet in the league. But, yeah, you mentioned uh, Julian Love's potential as a safety Ultimately, I think that's where he ends up, but I think they're going to let him really learn that before he just jumps into it and you have Antoine Bethea for that right now anyway. So, that's fine. But Grant Haley, you know, they tried to they tried to get him you know, acclimated on the outside last last year in the in the spring and in the summer and it never worked out. He's just too small and he's really not that fast either. So, But they brought him onto the active roster, you know, into the season last year, and, you know, he performed well. So I think he's a pleasant surprise. But I I agree. I think, you know, as long as Julian Love is getting moved around, Grant is pretty safe there for now.
1: Yeah, I really love what the Giants have done with their secondary this offseason. I know they didn't address the pass rush too much, and that, that could be a real problem but a lot of analytics state recently that maybe pass coverage is more important than pass rush nowadays, and I think we've got a lot of good competition out in the secondary. We've got Jabril Peppers. He can play just about anywhere. He's, he's played slot, edge, linebacker, safety. He can play it all, and then you've got Antoine Bethea across from him, and he's still a solid veteran. He can help get the youngins up to speed, and then DeAndre Baker and Jan- Janoris Jenkins on the outside should be a lot of fun. So, of course, we got Grant Haley and Julian Love in the slot, but like we said, Julian Love is a potential move outside too. So I just think the Giants did an excellent job rebuilding their secondary this offseason.
0: Yeah, I think um, you are going to get really good play out of those two top corners. It's going to be like when Eli Apple was a rookie and playing much better than anyone expected. I mean, he was actually a reach where he was, but DeAndre Baker is actually more of a value where he was picked. Both first-round corners. Uh, you know, I I have high expectations there.
1: Yeah, me too. I think the 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 duo of Baker and Jenkins is going to be really good. I think Jenkins is he he kind of took a step backwards last year and the year before, but there was just nobody helping him in that secondary so many injuries so many poor play from other players like bw webb and uh curtis riley you know everybody's favorite player last year
0: well it's funny because um yeah everybody's favorite player that was like a way (laughs) to organically tank the season just keep trotting riley out there and he'll blow the game somehow (laughs) but (laughs) right um i'm glad you mentioned janoris Jenkins and being up and down and how that's actually been every single year that he's been here. Um, one game he looks really good, one game not so much. I, something I've noticed about Janoris is he's a matchup corner. When he is lined up against a big receiver, he's got it. He, he's going to jam the crap out of them. They're not going to get very far away from him. He's, he's really tough for that size. He's listed at... 510 between 510 and 511 so you wouldn't expect that but he is just solid that's why he that's why he was beating Dez the way he was because it was it was the point of attack he pressed really well uh last year if you recall he shut down Michael Thomas mm-hmm. in that Saints game he just completely shut him down he finally caught a fade route on him for about 15 yards but Michael Thomas did not have a good game so as long as you can keep Jenkins in the right matchups and maybe if DeAndre Baker is a little more universal and doesn't have such a weakness with the small guys, you know maybe they can just keep Jenkins where he's best suited.
1: Yeah, well that their upgrades in the secondary this, uh, this offseason give them a lot of flexibility with Jenkins now because before he couldn't really be a plug and play. Guy, where you can match him up with certain receivers, because then you leave maybe B. W. Webb covering, you know, their best player, because you want to match up Jenkins with someone better. So now, now that we have some real talent in DeAndre Baker and Julian Love and all these guys, maybe they can match up better, and Jenkins can be moved around to uh, to get a better matchup.
0: Yeah, because when you can shut down Michael Thomas, and then. A couple weeks before that get absolutely burned by Tavon Austin I mean there's (laughs) it's Mm. you know it's pretty telling that you know a lot of it depends on the kind of guy you're up against but um I'm glad you mentioned the the coverage versus the edge as far as what they invested in because the league is moving towards such a quick release offense that it kind of neutralizes pass rush and It just seems like there's less opportunities for an edge rusher to really get after quarterback these days. But I think the Giants' thinking behind this is, let's force the quarterback to hold the ball a little longer because somebody is not just open right away.
1: Yeah, and I really like that mentality because... The longer that the quarterback sits in the pocket obviously the more time that we give our young guys like Lorenzo Carter to get to the quarterback and it's a win-win when you've got a really great secondary and if the Giants secondary lives up to the hype lives up to my expectations and many other fans and I think that the defense can actually surprise a lot of people this year.
0: Yeah I agree and you know one team you can kind of look at is a good example of this is the Philadelphia Eagles because their front seven is always awesome but they always give up a ton of pass yards because teams just get rid of it quick against them uh, I know it didn't work for the Patriots in the Super Bowl but Brady absolutely carved them and then finally at the end there was a strip sack but I, mean, I think we all know the Eagles won the Super Bowl because of their offense that year I mean their their defensive backs really weren't any good
1: yeah, but also on the flip side of that, you can use the Patriots as a great example because in this year's Super Bowl, they, they really did not have that great of a front seven. I know they had Trey Flowers, and he's a great player, but outside of that, it wasn't too spectacular. But their secondary was probably tops in the league, and they set a really good example that I think the Giants are kind of trying to follow on. It's more important to have some shutdown corners in the secondary than necessarily having a superstar edge rusher.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, that's an example of how it actually works. And, of course, you know, the Patriots, you can go ahead and say, oh, well, they get by with patchwork all the time and this and that. But, you know, I, I really think it's it's more, it's more turning into more of a coverage league now. Um, yeah, I, I think and so And for too. everybody that wanted Josh Allen so bad, oh, man, I, I honestly didn't because I saw him get stonewalled by pretty big tackles pretty often. And you know, I I know a lot of fans wanna just cling to the oh, they took Jones over Allen thing, but I really think that kid is gonna struggle and maybe you know, maybe I'm the minority there, but we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I was a fan of Josh Allen. I think that he he's gonna be a pretty good player, but even if you don't if you're not a fan of Josh Allen, you can make the argument of, Oh, they took Jones over Ed Oliver. I mean Ed Oliver, that guy's gonna be a stud in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely, you know <laughs> no argument there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I wanted to bring up another thing that's, you know, talked about a lot this off season. Do you think the team has really passed on significant talent to chase certain personalities?
1: Yeah, I do. I think a lot of the reason that Odell Beckham was traded was because of his personality, his You know, his character, he's always, the media is always getting him in trouble. I'm not going to say that he's getting himself in trouble because I don't agree with that. But I think the media is always just giving him extra attention when he doesn't need it. And it just becomes distracting. And I, I don't know, I think it's a problem because at some point you need to have talent. You can't just sacrifice talent for character all the time eventually. Saquon Barkley is the perfect player because his character is top and his talent is top. So, of course, if we could have a team full of Saquons, we would. But we can't, and I think eventually Dave Gettleman's going to need to warm up to the idea of having a guy who's maybe got a little more character, maybe a little more personality, and you're just going to have to stick with that and work with him and trust your veterans in the locker room to help him out because you need to have talent. That's football game is won by... Skilled players, skilled coaches, that's talent. You can't give up too much talent for character. Yeah,
0: and I ask because I think they did take one guy in the draft that had a little bit of questionable character, and they actually traded up for him, DeAndre Baker. Uh, Some of the team's official media got on me about it, but I know for a fact that he had some, some combine visits with teams that didn't go well. I know he did not train much for the Combine, and that's probably why, you know, the 40 wasn't exactly what people thought it would be. You know, I, I'm not too concerned with it because on tape he covers well. But um, not not to say that he's a bad kid, but knowing a few things about DeAndre Baker was, was kind of a, a relief to me to see them still draft him i mean if and you know he hasn't been in any trouble so if this is really the worst guy on their roster then this is still seriously a conversation but uh you know speaking of that i don't know if what's going on with cameron moore is true but i certainly hope not because i i can't imagine him being on the team if it is
1: yeah we can't have another situation like we had with Josh Brown where the Giants inexplicably keep someone like that around. So if if, if the reports are true, then we can't keep that guy on the team.
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't think, you know, John Brown would have been around under Dave Gettleman.
1: No, I don't think so either. Yeah,
0: he's he's got a gentleman's club going on over here, so we <laughs> can call it the Gettleman's Club.
1: It's the Gettleman's <laughs> Club. I like that. That's good. But, um...
0: Yeah, not, not to say, you know, DeAndre Baker has really done anything, you know, that bad. But he kind of has that demeanor that, you know, has not doesn't really match most of the recent acquisitions. But I think you need some of that as a corner.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I'm happy to see Gettleman, you know, taking this guy and not letting whatever slight character faults he might have get in the way of that but it is interesting to see all of the guys that the Giants got rid of recently. I mean, we know that Eli Apple, he had some character problems, him on Twitter and Instagram. That was always a headache to see. Um, But then, of course, you saw recently, we saw Landon Collins discussing his exit and saying that he thinks that they got rid of him because of his character. We've seen Damon Harrison say the same thing. And it's, it's kind of the question of is is this really the case or is it kind of these players are pushing a narrative and maybe it is just a narrative at this point because like you said deandre baker is not squeaky clean but he's he's not he's not a bad guy overall but neither were any of those guys that they got rid of so maybe it's a narrative that these former players are pushing
0: i think landon isn't back just for the you just in the middle of a rebuild, paying a strong safety top dollar just does not make any sense. Um, you know, I think I think most people were kind of blindsided by it because they're like, "What are you talking about? He's one of your he's one of your best youngest players." But you know, they needed money elsewhere, and that you can find a run stopper at the safety position pretty easily. Uh, that, and I don't think the Giants liked when he would call out teams like even right before a matchup saying something about Dak last year and how they don't have much variety to their offense. So then, of course, when we get there, we see a bunch of different stuff all first half, and it was never even a game. So good job, Landon. But (laughs) yeah, um, Damon Harrison, you know, they probably sold him too cheap. You know, he's one of the best run defenders in the league, probably the best at the defensive tackle position. And yeah, he's Only the best. pull a fifth round pick for him. That that seemed like a desperate sell to me.
1: Yeah, to me too. I think they definitely should have tried to get more from uh, Snacks, but also with Landon Collins, you touched on him calling out teams in the media. What about calling out teammates? We know that he called out Eli Apple, and that was probably didn't make Dave Gettleman too happy. But the thing with, I understand them not paying a um, a, sa- a strong safety. $14 million when you're trying to rebuild the team. That's understandable to me, but the reason that it rubbed me the wrong way is because they didn't even franchise tag. And once you put him on the franchise tag, you open up a ton of options. You're only paying him for one year and you're rebuilding, so it's only one year. You can just make the decision next year, or you can let him walk. Or since he's on the franchise tag, now you have the opportunity to trade him. And if you're thinking of trading him before the deadline, I don't know why you wouldn't try to trade him when he's on the franchise tag. If you wanted to let him play, see if he's any, if he is going to take that step to become a more impact player in coverage too. I just personally would have liked to see Gettleman put the franchise tag on him, but it seems like they had almost zero communication this offseason. Gettleman just let him walk for nothing.
0: Yeah, um, I definitely would have preferred a trade near the deadline. Um, Gettleman came right out and said that's not the message we wanted to send to the team. Um, well, you literally gave up an asset to send a certain message to the team. So, yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. they might get a compensatory pick for him last year or next year, but based on what they acquired, that might cancel that out. They might, the NFL might see Golden Tate as a significant trade-off for Landon Collins Uh, I know that's it has to do with the entire you know the entire product of who left and who came in but you might not get much for Landon Collins through the compensatory picks
1: yeah I I think that they will end up with their third round pick but Dave Gettleman better really hope that they do because if not he's just going to look like he has no idea what he's doing
0: yeah and the funny thing about Gettleman is, he does not have a business background. He is a scout, so you know that's why we see him make these good draft picks. He, you know, he knows how to evaluate talent, but I hope there's another. I hope there's another voice in his ear, you know, in the front office that that's really savvy with the business side, because it just seems obvious with some of the moves that he makes that, you know, he doesn't quite. Get the 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 actual value of these guys it, it, through free agency.
1: Yeah, we've seen him mock analytics before, but I think that the Giants need to hire an analytics guy sooner than later.
0: Yeah, and you know it. It seems like Kevin Abrams has you know a lot to do with this roster, as far as the way it's constructed too. Um, really, they should just have a certain guy build the team and every once in a while ownership should say this is what i want but not very often uh there's a lot of comments in their interviews about you know we're all in this together there wasn't a consensus on this guy or that guy most teams don't work that way the gm has his job and he does his job so you know i'm really hoping that the that the ownership can really you know take a step back and let him do his thing
1: Well, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I would want them to take a step back or insert themselves in further because I personally am totally against the Odell Beckham trade. I wish Odell was still on the team. He's a generational talent at receiver, and he's you know the most popular player on the team. And we had Mara talking about it, saying that he was very reluctant. And if you were so reluctant and you really didn't want to do it, then you shouldn't have allowed it to happen, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Odell trade again, because uh, looking back on it, I think the Giants felt forced to do it. And that might sound crazy at first, but three weeks before they traded him, Antonio Brown forced his way off of the Steelers team in such a way that they weren't getting much back for him. They, the, the, the league said, Antonio Brown doesn't want to play for you, We're not giving you a first-round pick for him. Release him if you're really looking for that, and then he'll have his pick. And I think the Giants completely feared a similar situation where they said to themselves, okay, we already know Eli is back next year. Odell might force his way off of this team, and if he does that, we're not getting a third of what we should get for him. He would have been dealt for the same deal as Antonio Brown just because... Teams knew that he, he was forcing his way out of here. So I think they sold an asset in their mind at its highest point before it started to come back down just through just through leverage.
1: I, I could see that way of thinking, but I I'm not the person to assume that Odell would force his way out is just my way of thinking. I don't I don't think he would have done it.
0: I think they were scared once the ESPN interview was done. When he was talking about out west and New York isn't giving him his full chance to thrive, and sitting there next to Lil Wayne talking about how he could score four touchdowns in a game, and they asked they ask Odell if he has a, if there's a quarterback problem in New York, and he smiled and said, "I don't know." I mean, it just it seems like he was not happy here anymore, and ultimately, I think it might have been the price of forcing a quarterback to stick around longer than he than he should.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have that debate for years to come on when Eli should have left, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that that interview was just the worst possible situation. And then the
0: rumors started to creep in around then, too.
1: Yep, that's exactly so what think... They had left for a while, but they came back after that Yeah, interview. so
0: I think that, you know, they started thinking about it, and then as more and more time went on in the season, things just became more sour. I mean, do you remember the game where Odell just walked to the locker room with, like, five seconds left on the clock? Uh, Mm Um, you know, the the game where Eli, for some reason, did not audible to throw Odell a, a pass in the end zone from a yard out. And instead, he just ran Barkley into a loaded box. Uh, Odell just turned around
1: and started pointing at himself
0: a bunch of times.
1: Uh... Yeah, that, that play was really interesting because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talk about that. And I've seen a lot, of, a lot of people on Twitter, you know, really criticize Eli for that play. But on the flip end, we've seen Kurt Warner jump into the conversation on Twitter and completely defend him. And I've watched a video where Peyton Manning also defended it. I guess there's the way that the box was set up, because you can't just... Assume that the receiver is reading your mind. Running was the right thing to do there. Because if he if he audibles, if he does a hand signal on audibles, then the defense sees it and they run over to Odell. But if he doesn't do a hand signal, he can't ensure that Odell would have seen the pass. So he could have just thrown it to him and it could have ended up being an interception if Odell didn't know it was coming. So that was a slight problem there because it's kind of like, does Odell really need to pound on his chest for that one. I think they ended up scoring on the drive anyway. It's just interesting play to dissect and debate. I
0: think that's kind of the relationship of Eli Odell in a nutshell right there. Just there was an opportunity. It didn't get done. I mean, there's been times in the league where a guy just doesn't hand the ball off and just throws it, you know, without even a, an official audible. I mean, the nonverbal communication between Eli and his receivers – I've never been impressed with it, and I—if it's every receiver, it's probably Eli. <laughs> but um, I mean, he's had a good connection with a couple guys, like Cruz. But uh, yeah. But all right, uh, I guess that's that's gonna wrap it up. Um, do you want to get to some Madden ratings to close out here? Sure, we can
1: discuss that. For I know that's a
0: real positive, uh, positive subject right now after. Madden took a giant shit on the Giants.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, Saquon Barkley with the 81 strength. I don't know about you guys. 81 strength. When I see his legs, I don't think 81 strength. I think 1,000. It's a little ridiculous there. Plus, he's the the fifth-ranked running back in Madden. You can't convince me that he's outside of the top three running backs in the NFL. I think he's number one, but... At the most, you can put maybe Ezekiel Elliott, and maybe if you want to look at receiving value, Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. I, I don't think Todd Gurley is the best player in the league, and or the best running back in the league, and I think Saquon Barkley deserves a higher rating than 91 overall.
0: I've never seen a video game jump on the bandwagon of just the team to hate like this. I mean... The the ratings are low across the board. I mean, Sterling Shepard is top five in yards from the slot since he joined the league. What is he in eighty one? Yeah, yeah, that's that's 81. unbelievable. The top five in the top five in the league from uh you know yards from the slot. Um, Daniel Jones sixty three. Uh, at least he's not a forty five like Drew Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's behind Tyree Jackson, who went undrafted. And I'll, I'll give you a little fun fact about the whole Madden ratings adjuster guy. the The main guy who does the ratings is actually a Cowboys fan. He actually hates Eli oh, Manning, and I'm not. I'm not even making this up. Like, you can actually make an argument Eli should be rated low or or higher. But that guy actually does not like Eli Manning, and it shows in the ratings year after year. Even in 2015, he was rated lower than he was the year before, despite throwing for more yards, yada, yada, yada. But these guys claim to be breaking down the film, and we're trusting these Madden ratings guys to be breaking down the film rather than turning to pro football focus or, you know, real hard film breakers who do this for a living we're looking at these madden guys to get the ratings right because they trust their word over pro football focus and nfl scouts like it just seems ridiculous to me that they can like grade daniel jones the six overall pick as a 63 and tyree jackson as a 65 just because their personal film breakdown reflected that
0: yeah it's it's crazy to me um EA Sports obviously has exclusive rights to any sort of NFL video game, and every year they botch some ratings. But I don't think they realize that they just came after Giants Nation and pissed it off entirely. And you know, there hopefully there's a little bit of change. I, I hope there there might be enough backlash on this to uh, for EA to pay attention and say, "Oh boy, you know, maybe we can't be so lazy about this." I mean how how hard is it to create a mathematical equation for translating their 40 time at the combine to a certain speed
1: Yeah and it's funny you bring up the backlash thing because it's before I was writing for empire and all that I'm still of course a big giants fan last year when the ratings came out they totally dissed the giants again and it's because they do it every year because the guy is a Cowboys fan. It, it really is because of that. But Landon Collins was rated, like, criminally low last year. So I went on Twitter, and I pulled out all these pro football focus stats and everything. And at, like, 2 a.m., I'm just chilling. It's summer, and I'm, like, going after this guy on Twitter, sending him all the stats. And I actually got Landon Collins' ratings boosted last year. And I'm thinking about doing it again this year because the Giants are unplayable in Madden.
0: Yeah, I mean, how are they? How are you supposed to do anything with them? Um but, you know, yeah. who
1: is... They they hear some backlash is my yeah. point.
0: Well yeah, you know. I'm glad. Um Yeah. You know who is rated higher than Landon Collins though?
1: Jabril Peppers. Pepper's baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> um That's deserved in my opinion. I think he's a lot more versatile. Yeah. I mean
0: he's definitely on the rise. Um Yeah. So I guess I guess that's maybe a good good place to stop and you know. And on a good note.
1: Yeah. But uh, but thanks
0: for listening, everybody. And make sure you stop over to empiresportsmedia.com for daily Giants content and other New York sports. And we'll talk to you again soon.